tonight on News 4 at 5. Nothing beats a long hot shower in the winter, but how long do you take? 10 minutes. 20 minutes. If there's music, maybe 30. Heating water is so expensive, so I'll show you four ways to slash your energy bill. Saving you money this winter. Consumer reporter Susan Hogan is working for you tonight on News 4 at 5 with Wendy Rieger, Jim Hanley, and Chief Meteorologist Doug Kammerer. Getting you up to speed the minute you get home with the day's top stories and changing weather conditions. Working for you on NBC4 at 5. Welcome to a special edition of the movie show, New York Comic Con. We have beat reporter Roger Riddell speaking with Todd McFarlane people, the co-founder of Image Comics. And those two guys are going to go one-on-one right now. So I'm here with the man, the myth, Image co-founder, McFarlane Toys mastermind, Spawn creator, and Venom co-creator, Todd McFarlane. Did I miss anything there, Todd? Jack of all trade, master of none is is the shorter way to get there. (laughs) Uh, How's New York Comic Con treating you so far? You know, today's just day two before day trek. I I would say that, you know, some of us that are on the creative end, the celebrity end, get the easier end of it because we get to do panels and sit down. And I admire all the fans that come here and they have to walk, literally, right? If they all had their Fitbits on, I'd, I'd be surprised at how many miles they walk during the four days, right? <laughs> you go for, look at anybody trying to lose weight, don't go on a diet. Just come to a big comic convention someday, either in San Diego or New York, and I'm telling you, you will lose pounds. <laughs> So you're working on getting a new Spawn movie made. Correct. Uh, how's that going, and uh, what can we expect? It's, it's going good. I mean, it's a movie. I mean, you know, movies sort of move at a sort of a slow pace, but uh, the script's in. we just be- begun uh, budgeting it. From there, we'll then go into Hollywood and make our, what they call your pre-distribution deal. A, a release date will come with that deal probably, so that'd probably be the next big sort of important piece of news that the Internet will care about. Gathering the money and, and doing some of the other stuff behind the scenes isn't sort of sexy. Once we make that pre-distribution deal, then we'll hire the actors, and then it'll start going fast. We'll hire the actors, we'll jump into pre-production, and then we'll get into production probably five, six weeks after we start pre-production. So we're hoping to be in the pre-production, which means everything's lined up. We have all of our actors in place by beginning of uh, the new year, So, which would mean we'll be shooting hopefully late, late to middle of February. And I'd read that uh, you're going to be directing it. Writing, producing, directing. Uh, producing alongside uh, Jason Blum, who's got Blumhouse Productions. You know, their last couple big movies were Get Out and Split. They did those for combined, combined $15, $16 million budgets in terms of production, and, and they grossed over $600 million worldwide. He's sort of a master of being able to take ideas, not spend a lot of money and still execute it at a high level so that, you know, the chances of it succeeding are there. I mean, again, he was the producer behind The Purge and Insidious and uh, Paranormal Activity and some of those too. So, and, and, I, and I chose him for a couple of reasons. One, he's, he's sort of the hot guy. 
in, in Hollywood. Number two, I keep saying that the movie is not going to be a superhero movie on any level. It's going to be this supernatural, creepy, sort of odd, disturbing, dark, uh, R-rated movie. And the easiest way to get there is to just say, I got Jason Blum here. You've seen his movies. We're gonna, we're, we're, that's where we're living. We're living in his space, not, not in Marvel or DC land. So we're about 20 years out now from the original Spawn movie. Right. Is there anything looking back at that that you wish had been done differently? Oh, watch. What you, <laughs> I, I heard things five seconds after the movie was done, I wished. The difference was is that it, and on that one, and I'm not saying that my ideas are any better or any worse than anybody else. I was only the exec producer on that one. And so I, I, I didn't really have a lot of authority in, in terms of the script and, and what was going on the screen and even the final edit. It was, it was okay in first time. You know, there was some stuff on the screen I thought that looked unfinished because we were rushing at the end. I made my suggestions on some stuff, but it didn't get implemented. Now we're 20 years past, and I'm in a position where I get to say, no, I want to I control exactly what I think this character is, given that he's evolved over those 20 years. And it's, the simple evolution is that I just think my fans have gotten older. Right? I just think that I think that they they expect something more sophisticated than just an action movie PG-13 superhero fun fest. There's plenty of those out there, and they all do well. I, I just don't think that that's the expectation from my fans. Especially, we did three years of HBO, and I get way more email asking for that tone, which was R and had every single warning on it before the show started, than the PG-13 action movie. With the original movie, one of the things that uh, always kind of bummed me out was the kind of left out the whole heaven side of the of the war that Spawn was kind of tangled in. Yeah, and and it's true. But, uh, and I'm not my in, in the story I've written. Yeah. I'm not I'm not overly concerned about the heaven and hell elements of it. I just I think, and I always tell my writers, I think it's a, I think it's a crutch, right? I I go, I get it, I get it. He comes from hell. It doesn't mean any more than if you come from North Dakota, that every story has to involve somebody from North Dakota, right? It just means that's where you were born. Now start telling me about the adventures of the guy globally, given that he's not in North Dakota anymore. So I'm way more interested and concerned about sort of the evil and the darkness that are in men's hearts, not demons or angels, that are the headlines that I read every day. Those are the actions of men and not the actions of anything sort of Outworldly, I was a big fan growing up of uh, drama, you know, R-rated drama, and even the creepy movies I watched. And I'm, I'm sure you could put yours in the same bucket. That whatever your three, four, five hundred top creepy movies are, there is one thing in common with all of them. You take the creepy thing out, and the rest of the movie's normal. So superhero movies don't work that way, right? You take Batman out, you still have the Batmobile and the headquarters and the Joker and Robin and I mean and there's there's a dozen things that are still fantastic in it and creepy movies work and they're accessible because you only have to disband your belief on one item right everything else leading up to the boogeyman is always real you go out to a date with your girlfriend you have a nice evening you're going down the dirt road you run out of gas all those are we've all probably been there once there's a house on the top of the hill, you gotta go knock on the door, and oh, is there a psycho killer inside? That allows you to have a creepy movie. You only have to go, is it possible to have a creepy guy inside a house in the middle of the farmlands? 
I think most of us will go, mm, I think so. I, can creepy people and insane people exist? Yeah, sure, what are we talking about? We just saw it in Vegas a few days ago. You only have to give up one thing, where for me in action movies, not just superhero, but action movies in general, you have to disband your belief in, at times, dozens of practical things. People straddling two cars at 90 miles an hour going down the freeway dodging bullets, right? I, I go, ugh, I, I, don't, I don't know if that would actually work, but okay, it looks cool, I get it. I'm a drama guy, and maybe it's just my age, but I'm a drama guy, and that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do dark, real, gritty, everything's real except for one element, and that's what you and I call spawn. Yeah, and uh, so there's another big anniversary uh, this year uh, that Marvel's been celebrating with the 30th anniversary of Venom. Uh, oh, so, yeah. So uh, looking back on that character, yeah. um, what are your thoughts on his legacy, and have you kind of kept up with his evolution over the years? And not, 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 not really. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, I, know what, I know what I laid down, and then there's been some odd stuff along the way, like trying to make him a good guy for a while. I'm like, why? why? And, and I've seen it before when I was a kid. They'd make the Joker a good guy or Doc Doom for a good guy. Just and they get so popular as bad guy, they go, "Hey, we can make him a good guy and make more money." And it's like, no, that's why they're so popular because they're bad guys. And then even in his appearance in the movie, in one of the Sam Raimi movies, physically, I didn't, I didn't think he was as imposing as I've always had him in my brain. I mean, he was, you know, I, I drew him big. He was, he was, he was gorilla big. And the reason is I just wanted him to be physically way more impressive than Spider-Man. And when Spider-Man was standing next to him, then you would go, oh my gosh, there's a distortion here, at least physically. And so Spider-Man's going to have an issue. I understand they're going to be doing an R-rated version, so we'll see. We'll see how dark they go with it, how creepy they go with it. I mean, I know what I would do with it if they gave it to me and I did it R. I'd scare the shit out of you. I don't know that they're going to go that deep because they still need to sell shirts and toys it'd be interesting yeah i mean just that smile that he had and was it the end of 299 that he uh that he appears in the apartment with mary jane and he's mm -hmm. just kind of got that creepy smile and mm. that was always uh this kind of lasting image on me as a kid yeah to me venom has always been first and foremost a monster and then that he's eddie brock or anybody else under underneath me was secondary once the monster came out then to me, Eddie Brock went away, right? It was just sort of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Once, once the personality flips, then you don't worry about what's underneath it. You just play the monster. And so it'll be interesting, given that they've signed up Tom Hardy, how, what they'll do. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I hope it does well on a couple different reasons. You know, one, my name would be somewhat attached to it. But number two, the Spawn movie should be coming out fairly soon afterwards and I'll be able to put on the trailer from the co-creator of Venom comes, right? And, he, and I'll be able to ride on the coattails. So I'm, I'm hoping it does good. Just to end on sort of a fun note, of the Image co-founders, who would you say is the company's Stan Lee or Jack Kirby or Steve Ditko or John Romita and so on? Eric Larson, hands down, hands down. And I say that not necessarily in terms of like because he's created 20 iconic characters that will last forever and make movies of them Eric Larson and I would say this not as my partner of anybody I've met in the comic book industry in my, in my almost 30 years now Eric Larson is the purest 
comic geek that I've ever met. I mean, he gets up every morning and he only wants to do one thing in his career, and that's to draw comic books, write and draw comic books. He doesn't want to worry about making toys. He doesn't want to worry about making TV shows like Robert and I do. He doesn't want to worry about having a staff. He just wants to do comic books, and I admire, you know, and I'm jealous at how myopic that love affair is that he has. It's, it's, it's brilliant. All right, so I'm back here with Todd McFarlane again. Uh, we're going to talk about what McFarlane Toys has coming out soon. Sort of the biggest piece of my business has been shifting is that for 20-plus years, we were pretty much exclusively in the action figure aisle. And now we're doing a lot of product in what they call the construction aisle, the building block aisle. And that's a place where product like Creo from Hasbro and Mega Blocks from Mattel and, and Legos. I mean, blocks, that's why they call it construction. It's, it's where you build stuff. Um, and, and, the, and the interesting thing is a lot of the uh, patents have lapsed, which basically means you can now buy these blocks from five different companies and they all work. You know, you don't have to be a frustrated parent and go, ah, you know, I've got all these blocks and they don't sort of hook up. They all hook up now, right, because the, the specs of them have, have now become public domain. We, we start with Walking Dead and a little bit of um, Game of Thrones. Didn't quite do what I thought it was, and there's a part of me that just says maybe adults, older geeks, don't shop that aisle. They shop the action figure aisle. They just don't shop the building block out, but the kids do, and the parents do. So we came out with a brand called uh, Five Nights at Freddy. It's an app game, and it is the single largest selling product, bar none, by a lot, that I've done in 20-plus years. And again, remember, I've had the NFL, I've had Major League Baseball, I've had Matrix and the Predator and Alien and Shrek and big TV and movie stuff that we've done Walking Dead and Beatles, Elvis Presley. This app game is blowing them all out of the water. And with that, then, they've asked us to do some more. So we also have in that aisle now coming uh, Rick and Morty. Uh, And the Rick and Morty stuff is pretty fun because unlike just buying a figure, you get these environments or these moments. So what we're doing is designing these moments in the show that people hopefully will remember and go, oh, yeah, yeah, that was a cool one. And those are doing good. They just hit the shelves right now, and they're doing really well for us. I think in that aisle, too, we also have Steven Universe, a little bit younger uh, audience, and then South Park. We're having goofy fun with that one. And then on the action figure aisle, you know, we we continue to do our stuff, but, you know, some of our bigger ones are Destiny and the, you know, triple-A video game. And my kid plays it all the time. It's crazy for it. And it's interesting on that one, because we're getting the sales data on that one. We put out you know, three of the factions uh, that are out there. And we thought that everybody would sort of sort of pick one, you know, basically the, 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 the character that they play in the game. So I go, I don't know if the warlocks are going to sell as many as the hunters. But they're selling equally. That either tells me that the fans are equally divided or that the fans are just buying all of them. They go, hey, I'm a Destiny fan, I'm going to buy all three. So that one's doing good for us. I mean, obviously we continue to do Walking Dead, you know, that's been around for five, six years for us, seven, I guess the seventh year they're starting. We still have the NFL and, and football stuff. And I'm Stranger Things, we got, we got the license from Stranger Things from Netflix. They're just beginning to 
start letting some of their properties come out. So we were fortunate enough to be able to get the, the action figure side of that business. And then we continue to knock on doors and come up with any sort of stuff that, you know, may be a surprise hit. <clears throat> the thing that's super interesting to me right now is that Five Nights at Freddy is so popular, yet it's not public. This is the, the phenomenon of it, is that it's selling like, like nothing I've ever done before, yet when you say Five Nights at Freddy to most people, they don't know what it is. So we now are living in a world, because of the internet and the way that kids are consuming their entertainment, and we li we're living in a world now where something can be popular, yet the adults don't know. And I, I have three children myself, and I keep saying the, that if your child comes downstairs and tells you at dinner time what's, what they like and what's popular, it's a year old. It's too late. Because why? Because they were up in their rooms consuming it for the last year, first to see if they liked it, personally. Second, to see if their friends liked it, so if they could be in the peer group. And then third, to see if anybody on the internet or on a broader scale outside their bubble of friends liked it and then they play it and then they see if it's going to actually be popular for any length of time and then if all of those happen eventually they'll come downstairs and they'll tell you they like it but a year's gone by and so what that means to me is that there could be other five nights of freddy's out there and we are all equally blind to it and i take that as an advantage because when I go up against Fortune 500 companies like Hasbro and Mattel, they always beat me. Oh, hot movie, hot TV show. I go, oh, I'm interested in it. They're interested in it. I go, can I do it? And they back up a Brink's truck, drop the cash, and they win every single time. And so I go, wow, so you're now saying that I'm as equally blind or they are as equally blind as I am and finding what might be the next hot thing. And Five Nights at Freddy, to put it in perspective, one of their items uh, that Funko did was the number one selling item at Christmas time, this past Christmas, in all of toys, not in one aisle, in all of toys. And one of our Five Nights at Freddy building sets was the third best seller in the entire construction. And I'm going up against Lego. And I still had the third best selling one who am I? I go, wow, that, so the little players can now play. Just like you, you can go and do your, your podcast, you can do your internet stuff, and other people, and they can have 20 million followers. It's awesome, right? You don't have to go through the system, and you can still basically do what they're doing. And some of that is trickling down into the toy industry. It's kind of cool. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, really looking forward to seeing the Demogorgon uh, toy from Stranger Things. Yeah, you know, the one thing that, uh, that we try to do as much as possible and sometimes you have to sort of shift your price range is to try and get the scale as correct as possible. When we do come out with the Demogorgon, then again, obviously, it's going to be as tall as it is in the TV show, which may force us to, you know, charge a few, few dollars more to get it. But then when you put it next to a Levin or Hopper or something, you're going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Just like when we do sports figures, we try to get their body types accurate too, so that every football player or basketball player isn't the same height or width, right? So. And it's like when I was uh, in middle school, my dad dated a woman whose son had like the entire spawn line 
And I just remember looking at like Malbolgia and the Violator in comparison to the other figures and thinking it was really cool, like the scale that they had. I don't know if you've ever seen what they call a lineup for animation. And what they do is once you develop a show, uh, and they do it with video games too, and you have your eight or 10 characters, 12 characters, 20 characters, then what they do is they, they do a lineup, sort of like a police lineup, right? And the fun thing to me is always like, is, is making those silhouettes. And if you make them silhouettes and you can still tell who's who, or at least there's a bounce in the size of them, I, I agree. There's the fun of it. You go, oh, there's a little guy, there's the medium guy, there's the big guy, there's the wide guy, there's the tall guy, right? There's the lady with the long hair, whatever it is. I don't care, right? It, it, that, and I, I think the toys should reflect that. But, again, if you're doing a licensed product, you're only as good as basically the characters they've designed, uh, and you hope that they're looking at the same things you are. Thanks again for taking the time today. Yeah, sure. Thanks for, thanks for having me today. Thank you for listening to the Movie Show Special Edition Special Report New York Comic Con Edition of the show. If you enjoyed the interview, please share it on your favorite social media platform and or comment on this podcast. Special thanks to Roger Adell for going to New York Comic Con and getting this interview for you guys. Thank you, Roger. You're the best. I'm Matt Sardo, and this is Monkeys Fighting Robots. An ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.